me a mission, I got demons to slay. Communication made you talk in this way. Anxious world, what's going on, everybody? I thank you all for tuning in to another episode of the Anxiety About Anxiety podcast. Like always, I'm your very honored, blessed, thankful host, Keith. Back here to share these inspirational stories. Y'all know how I do. And yeah, we back. To everybody out there, I just want to apologize for this past week. I did not drop an episode. I had a very busy and eventful last two weeks. So I was I was so consumed by a lot of things plus for some odd reason i was having technical difficulties trying to you know do stuff and upload things so i didn't get one you know published or i didn't you know i didn't drop one that day my 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 wife went on a a girl's trip and went on a cruise for about five days so i was at home with my boys you know just enjoying that time off and just being with them and I had planned on doing some work. I really, really did. Just didn't get to it. Like I said, I was enjoying them and they kept me really, really busy. Um, I, however, I'm always in creative mode. I had came up with some ideas in my head that I, I want to try one day, but I just didn't drop anything. And this past uh, week, my son graduated from high school. And man, I couldn't be more proud of him. Kavion's daddy loves you, man. I'm proud of you. You are a man now, and yeah, welcome to the the real world, son. But yeah, he graduated. You know, I just man, I couldn't imagine having a an eighteen year old son right now that's graduating. Makes me feel kind of old. <laughs> I'm getting up there in age, even though I got three more coming right behind him. One next year, but man, I'm just a proud father, man. My son, you know, uh, he acts just like me. Which, you know, sometimes scares me. But, you know, I've been through a lot so I can share a lot with him and I can try to guide him in the right direction. But, yeah, I've just been just so blessed the last couple of weeks just to spend time with my kids and then to see my son walk across that stage and get his high school diploma. So I couldn't ask for anything more. And I, like I said, I just want to say my fault for not dropping the episode just so busy with life and trying to get things in order that, you know, family comes first. And so, yeah, we back on schedule. Um, I'm going to try to do this one next week. I'm off to Vegas for the first time in my life. I'm taking my son and my wife out. I'm taking my son that just graduated out there for his graduation, you know, vacation. And then my wife's birthday is the same week. So I will be really busy out there, too, out in Vegas. But my plan is to also drop next week on a Friday. Um, I should be on the airplane around that time, but you know, well, no, actually I'll be on the airplane Thursday. Hopefully I can get, but I'll get back like Friday morning. Hopefully I'll be able to get everything done before I leave, but just want to give you guys an update on what's been going on. But for this episode, we're back. Uh, I got a gentleman by the name of let me make sure I get this all right Michael J.E. Barry um, he's an Australian trauma survivor and an author of a really really good book by the way titled Rooftops okay Michael um, he just, he gonna talk about his past experiences or his past trauma with CP, CPTSD hopefully I said that right yeah CPTSD 
I believe it's complex post-traumatic stress disorder. And uh, fun fact, I actually doing this podcast, I actually came across uh, hearing about CPTSD for the first time in my life. I always heard of PTSD and I knew about it, but I had never heard of CPTSD. And so this is probably the, the fifth or sixth guest that's going to you know, open up about what it was and how they experienced what what they experienced was like with it. So I had never heard of that until then. I've learned so much doing this podcast. But Michael, oh man, awesome, awesome author. Like I said, his book Rooftop is basically. I mean, I read it. I let my I'm let my son read it. Man, it's just a it's a horror fantasy type book. You know, about a, uh, uh, like from his childhood experiences um, by a gentleman named Eddie. And he's going to share a chapter in this episode. So I'll let him, you know, share what the book is about. And then he shared that that quick chapter one with you guys. I don't want to butcher it, but it's a really, really good book. And um, he's a like, like I said, he's a. He's a busy guy. <laughs> he did over 14 albums and also written this book and just been an advocate for mental health overall for the last 25 years. So I'm very honored to have him on my podcast and be able to speak up for mental health and share his thoughts and his, and his experiences and share tips with you guys on, you know, what worked for him. And it might work for you. You never know. So, Michael, I just want to say thank you a million times over for, you know, just coming on the platform and sharing your story and just being that voice for the millions of people out there that's struggling with CPTSD or any mental health disorder. So thank you once again. And like I said, in this episode, he's going to share um, his experiences and also a chapter from his book. So I encourage you all you guys to go out there and find that book and have a read, you guys, and just follow Michael and follow what he's going, what you know, what he's doing. And um, for me, like I said, I just updated you guys. I'm gonna keep doing what I gotta do. Um, Michael actually just gave me an idea. I will, I will share you, share you, uh, share with you guys. I was riding down the street just uh, a minute ago, and I was listening to listening to his episode and listening to his chapter, him reading his chapter, and. It, it just kind of a light bulb went off in my head that, hey, maybe if there's any if anybody listening to this who who's an author also and has written probably any type of mental health book. You know, it can be tips on how to control your mental health. It can be a book about your past traumas or what you're currently going through. But I think I have this idea where I want people to come on and kind of share authors that is share what they've been through you know, with their mental health disorder, whatever it may be. And also if talk a little bit about the book that they that they wrote and share like a chapter with my guest, you know, so we can get a little a little view of the book. And I kind of like that little format. So I, I want to explore that here in the near future. Michael, thank you for that in inspiration. It's something I really, really want to use. So without further ado. I don't want to keep talking too much. I want to I want to get to this. So everybody here's Michael's story. Once again, Michael, thank you for sharing your, your your inspirational story. Everybody stay safe, stay blessed, have a great day. This is Michael J. E. Barry, author of Rooftops for the Anxiety About Anxiety Podcast. Question one. 
What mental health disorder disorders have you dealt with throughout your life? Well, I'd like to imagine there was a period of time when I didn't have any of that. More recently, though, I guess the principal thing that I have managed has been trauma symptoms. So uh, my official diagnosis was eventually CPTSD with some extra little special bonus prizes that I got after they sent me off to another doc to get a review they sent me back some paperwork with a list of the things that I was diagnosed with and I thought that seems a bit excessive I thought to myself it's a bit like going to a restaurant and being fairly sure that you've got somebody else's order because there's way there's way too much here so I went through the list and I thought well I don't have agoraphobia other than the 10 years that I didn't want to leave the house or when I couldn't drive a car by myself. And uh, that was basically the way that it went. Question two. Your overall experience with that mental health disorder. Well, this will be a quick answer. It has sucked. It has sucked. It's sucked a lot. It's been career-limiting in some aspects. It's been a source of horrible, horrible moments of time. The bit that freaked me out the most was the derealization. The times that I had that, uh, the first time I think that I had it, I thought, uh, ooh, I'm not coming back from this. And then again, as I stop to think about it now, I'm not sure whether I would want to rate the panic episodes as high points either. It was really deeply unpleasant, and I mean, I'm still experiencing symptoms. Uh, they're better, thankfully, you know, mercifully. But the worst moments of this are yow. So my overall experience with this has been yikes. Question three. How you cope with it? I have done everything I possibly could to try to cope with it. You name it, I have tried it because it really sucked. It sucked a lot. I really didn't enjoy the symptoms and I really didn't want to have them. And because I really didn't want to have them, I was willing to do more or less anything to try and get out of what I was experiencing. And one of uh, one of the shrinks who helped me along the way, who I have a deep sense of gratitude for said I was very motivated which is uh, kind of like uh, being told by the teacher that you're a good student and I guess if you were experiencing what I was experiencing you'd want to figure out how to stop experiencing that so the way that I cope with that was everything I did every self-care thing that I could and the best I can understand it is Complex PTSD has lots of symptoms and each symptom sort of wants its own treatment. So it's all sort of connected to the same thing, but you might need to use simultaneous strategies and a lot of them as often as you need them until things get better. And uh, the things that I have I've tried... Yeah, I mean, I've tried all the various types of therapy. I guess what I can say fairly is that I changed industries. And 
I found a lot of success in good therapy with someone who can get through to you and who can you know, figure out how you work so that you can help yourself. And then uh, following along with the things that, that sort of have a proven basis in science, lowering cortisol, making yourself more relaxed, treating the body, and therefore making yourself feel a bit calmer. You name it, I have tried it. I, I once said, if I had to stand on one leg with a warm rock in one hand while humming a song, I would be up for it. And uh, I've been very open to anything that might help because these symptoms have really been deeply unpleasant. Question three. Any tips or coping skills you'd like to share with the audience? Absolutely. Be kind to yourself. Every river runs at its own pace. So there is a process for you to heal, and that's your process, and you'll find your own way to it. And kindness seems to help. Kindness to self really does seem to help. It's, it's funny, we seem to be able to help others sometimes more easily than we would help ourselves. Next question. Talk a little bit about the book Rooftops. What's it about? I think I can tell you what's in it and what the story is, but I'm not quite sure what it's about. As a story, it's about a guy called Eddie and his twin, Jack, who's a dragon. And Jack is sort of his protective spirit animal. And he's come from this night dimension of dreams. And Eddie needs his help at the moment to resolve something in his life. And he's come back from his childhood to help him do it. But in order to do it, he has to go through the memories of the past. Next question. What inspired me to write the book? I think there was an element of wanting to tick something off on my list of uh, completing a piece of work. I'd uh, written a lot of other stuff, but I hadn't written any long-form fiction uh, for some time. So... I thought I'll give this a shot. And I think it kind of morphed into something more than I was expecting. All right, Keith, thanks very much for the questions, mate, and uh, the opportunity to do the interview. I hope you are finding your way through as well and be glad to follow up on any questions if you feel there's some more that might be useful to have. Uh, cheers, mate. Thanks very much. Prologue. Eddie's Unfinished Manuscript. New York, 1929. Dan walked sure-footed on the scaffolding, fearless in the dimming light. Sixty floors below, the last rays of the sun crossed the rooftops of the old row houses. From the corner of his eye, Dan saw movement as if a small shape had detached itself from the facade and flitted across to where the chromed steel eagle perched at the corner of the building, glaring fiercely out over the city. Faintly, Dan heard a child's laughter and a slap of bare feet. How the hell did a street kid get up here? Hey, hey kid, Dan called out. Oh, for the love of Mike, he complained as he made his way around the corner in pursuit. There, Sitting with legs astride the eagle was a small child, no more than seven years old, feet dangling in the air. Oh, Jesus, kid. What the heck? 
Come back here, Dan said. The kid sniffled. You've got to come get me, mister. I'm scared. That's okay, kid, Dan said, moving slowly towards him. Take my hand. You're going to be fine. Let's get you home. The child reached his small hand out, still too far. Dan took another step, stretching until he was within a finger's distance. As they touched, the child's hand began to dissolve into smoke. The face grew dark, the teeth jagged. There was a loud ringing in Dan's ears. Come on, mister, come play with us, the child said, and pulled him forward into the thin air. Part 1. Eddie Chapter 1. Jack's Back The first thing you notice about getting out is how different it feels. I spent almost 25 years in and out. I did some things I'm not proud of. That's the way we were raised. I didn't get there by choice. I barely noticed the first 10 years. I was too busy surviving. I'm good at that. Good at surviving. For another 10 years I was an enforcer and eventually a torturer. I was good at that too. And then one day it just ended. That's what happens. You wake up and you're on the outside. You know how we told you that you were to blame for so long that you believed it yourself? Well, it turns out you didn't do it. Sorry, kid. That's the hand you were dealt. It's not personal. It's very fucking personal. The ballistics for certain types of weapons are harder to trace. Some of them are easier to come by. I know these things. It wouldn't be hard. They wouldn't suspect a thing. Eddie was so broken he was harmless. I'd walk in there and say, hi. They'd say, hey Eddie, and I'd gun the first one down. Then I'd reload, chase the next one into the bedroom and take care of them. Then I would call the police and wait. Years before, when someone else had threatened them, I'd almost killed the guy. That was my business. For later. No one ever feared Eddie, though. He was too gentle. I didn't mention we look almost identical. Almost. In an easier life, you couldn't tell us apart. In the real world, we are quite different. Eddie had compassion. I didn't give a shit. Eddie was scared. I liked it when other people feared me. Eddie didn't want to hurt anyone. I believe sometimes you have to kill people. Eddie believed in people. I don't believe everyone you meet is a person. They might look it, but they're not. Maybe something born of human, or something akin to it, but not human. And I ought to know. I'm one of them. They only understand fire. When I was with them, I was fire too. I was what waits outside. In that world there is no grey, only red. Make them understand what you are, what they have made you. And that's why they put me away. Chapter 2 Eddie's Apartment When I got to Eddie's place he was asleep and the phone on his desk was ringing. I picked it up before it woke Eddie. Then again... I'm not sure anything could have woken him at that point. Yellow, I answered. I just want to know if you're coming or not, came a woman's unhappy voice. Ah, 
knew who this was. So I said, hey, Rita. Yes, she said tentatively. I hung up the phone. I had things to do and people to see. To say I was delighted to be out was an understatement. I fairly vibrated with the energy of freedom. My horizons had been bounded by four walls for a long time. Bars on the windows, locks on the doors, all the comforts of my cages. There was a stack of pages on Eddie's desk, some book he's been working on for a decade, sunburned with red marks and black patches, where the words have died and been buried underneath furious overwriting. I felt the urge to read it, but not here. Checking that Eddie was still asleep, I dressed. Half the clothes in his closet were almost brand new. I chose something he'd never wear, something with the markings of a venomous creature. Now, I wander the streets at 3am looking for a place to get coffee, feeling as awake as someone who began awareness at dawn and lived an unbroken day until the end of time. Eventually, I find a place in the neighbourhood, a kebab shop with seating outside in the cold, where a few late-shift taxi drivers are gathered. With a lung full of smoke and a cup of coffee made sometime in the previous decade and reheated ever since, I start reading Eddie's unfinished story. Eddie hadn't heard much from the family since he'd reached out to tell them about Cheryl's suicide. The family stayed away from Eddie for reasons they couldn't explain, some silent bubbling energy they couldn't put their finger on. That was where I came in. I would always find a way back to Eddie if he needed me, and he needed me now. Back then, he wouldn't let me hurt them. I couldn't, knowing how much it would hurt him. It wouldn't have bothered me to kill them all. They deserved it for what they did to him, for what they did to me. And here I am now, stuck in this loop. I can't do it. I don't even want to do it. I don't think I ever really did. Under the circumstances, these thoughts were reasonable answers to unreasonable questions. Why'd you bring me back, Eddie? I could have stayed where I was. I know why. Because I made you pay for it for so long. Because I blamed you for it. And you just ate it. Because you love me. But really all along I was blaming myself. And you knew that too. I can't handle the way you feel it sometimes, Ed. I can't. It's too much. No one's this right. And I have seen you suffer. I have made you suffer. And all the while you just kept on loving me. Ah, shit, Eddie. Don't you know I'm unlovable? Fuck you, Eddie. Fuck you in your betterness. Fuck you that it obliges me to act in the knowledge of it. Influenced by it, you fucking asshole. I can't hate anymore. I hate that I can't hate. I cannot hate you for accepting this. Dealing with it. It's not fair. And I want them to pay. So? I must wake you up, Eddie. I must wake you up and ask you what the fuck you want from me if you don't want them all dead. Eddie is still asleep when I get home. A giant window in the living room is open. The curtain's blowing, as if the apartment is about to tip upside down and spill us once more out into the darkness to fly above the rooftops. Eddie, why did you bring me back? Eddie, why didn't you leave me gone? Eddie, wake the fuck up. But Eddie won't. He sleeps on, dead to the world, a small smile on his face every time I come near him. It's like he feels my presence, a drape of wings hanging in shadow above him. Eddie 
sleeps nestled in the bosom of the dragon. He has left a trail for me, though. I don't even have to ask him these questions. It's all in the spill of words on his desk. It's tonight, isn't it? Here. Now. You open this up for me. You brought me back like I brought you back. You saved me too, Eddie. It's in these pages. Eddie is awake now. You're the only one who can go back then, he says to me. The fuck, I say. How? You never left, he says. I know he's lying about something, though. He's still there, too. A part of him, anyway. So now I know what the scoop is. Why I am here. The curtains are wide apart, and I can see out across the rooftops. It is a bright, moonlit night, and tides of children rise into the sky. I step towards the window and look out across the city. Someone has dipped it in silver. The wind catches the edges of the flimsy grey curtains, and I take a last look at Eddie, sleeping peacefully again. I step out of the window and walk upon the moonlight.